and hi everyone welcome to well the secrets of my success and uh th there's few more successful people uh, that i've come across in the last well i've known him for about 20 years but certainly in the last year sort of astronomical uh rise in success but as they say my overnight success took a lifetime to achieve i've got jay patel uh ceo of imi mobile who i'll give you a bit of background london stock exchange listed so there's an exception already isn't is is an exception in the sense of ceo of a uh, a london stock exchange listed company then got taken over and the deal just closed by cisco uh for i think and jay you will correct me if i'm wrong about 700 million pounds i'm sure it's all in the in the public domain 750 dollars yeah that right there you go so we're talking what three three quarters of a billion yeah uh serious money and we'll talk about what the company does now we've known each other from the Thai days the indus entrepreneurs where we mentored entrepreneurs so jay let's catch up on all that how did you go from that because i know you were in venture capital as well uh at new media spark or yep. spark as it, as it became uh then you became ceo of a, a, a PLC. So you, you've sort of done the career trajectory a lot and, and a massive exit that a lot of people would dream of. Tell us some of the secrets to, to that success, Jay. Oh, I, I'm, I'm not sure there are any secrets, but um, no, I did um, have the, um, the luck and I suppose also the attitude to just working with entrepreneurs. So um, about 20 odd years ago, left my job in M&A at Warburg's um, in the city to take a plunge and um, join um, a few individuals, a, a chap called Tom Teichman, who's, who's pretty well known in, in the venture circles in the UK. And we set up a fund, so that was 20 odd years ago, back in um, early stage seed businesses in 1999. Um, so we rode the initial um, dot-com boom um, and bust, um, but we stuck with it and made a success of it. Um, IMI was a business we'd invested in in um, 2000 um, and the two founders, um, Vish and Bat, um, had had a vision then of creating intellectual property businesses out of India. So um, 20 years ago and even now, um, arbitrage and labor um, is done out of lots of places and is probably a relatively straightforward business. But what really caught our imagination was working with entrepreneurs who wanted to create IP and harness Indian engineering talent and exploit that IP globally. So we'd invested in about 2000, 2001. First few years were crazy, as always, businesses nearly go bust. Um, and But from about 2004, five onwards, we've had a, a steady trajectory. Um, the business grew um, and it essentially provides software, cloud software um, to large enterprises for them to communicate with their customers. Business grew quite well for the first seven or eight years. Along comes the iPhone and smartphones and virtually every industry is um, changed um, um, by smartphones. And we got involved in you know, what's called uh, um, enterprise customer communication. And um, when we were looking for further capital and growth and, and, and an exit for early investors, that's really when I got involved um, you know, from a day a month to, to a day a week to two days a week to seven days a week. Um, and um, when Vish wanted to hand the reins over, I was somebody who he um, handed them over to. And over the last you know, seven or eight years, we've, we've grown the business through acquisition and organically pretty well. 
um, to the eventual um, sale to Cisco. So, um, and, and, and along the way, we used the AIM market and, and, the, and the London Stock Exchange um, to actually do it. Yeah, well, the, now let me let me unpick some of those those things because I do want to talk about if we take in chronological order, I do want to talk about and we'll get to how you migrate from AIM to being sufficiently big that a Cisco uh, picks you up because as we know, there's a lot of AIM companies which never go anywhere other than stay on AIM and you know they they don't grow. So we'll come to that. So let me get this first part right. You were a venture capital investor in there first is that right yes, sitting on the board and then asked to come out so first of all i want to ask you how did you get into venture capital a lot of people watching this thinking well actually that's an industry i'm interested in particularly tech vc how do you get into that what advice would you give people wanting to get into that and then the managerial experience of course is very different you know, it's one thing to be an investor sure. but it's very different of course to be a ceo and how did you learn to get that right and not just get it right. I mean, look, I'm not saying this to flatter you. I, I I came across the company independently of us knowing each other, and it had come on my radar because of the phenomenal cash flows, the revenue growth. Um, and it was one of my picks for my audience over a year ago. And thank you very much for, for, for the returns you've given them. They've done rather well, which made me look good. But the point is, independently of that, you were doing a good job. I can tell that from the numbers. So where did you learn those skills? So first of all, how'd you get into VC? And then how'd you learn the, the, the skills um, of being a CEO? Getting to VC was, um, I, think, I, think, I think like any entrepreneurial venture, I mean, your own and any uh, um, any venture, you had to take a risk. And um, and I was 30 years old, um, um, single, um, and working in the big bank, working the 70 or 80 or, 80 or 90 hours that you hear the analysts working nowadays. Um, and I'd done it for a while, enjoyed it a bit, but really wasn't cut out, I think, to be um, so much on the advisory side. Um, and I think that when I started looking at doing something entrepreneurial, um, it was, yeah, the period was the dot-com boom. And, um, and I really wanted to get involved in that. And I was prepared to leave a very high-flying job and, um, yeah take a fraction of my salary to help start a, a business and a fund. And we, um, in those early days, um, you know, Tom and, and the team had invested in lastminute.com. And so we had a bit of um, momentum and we grew the funds and um, it, it was just taking the risk. And, you know, I've got a bit of a financial background. So that helped, you know, essentially obviously filter companies um, and understand balance sheets and P&Ls and things. But, and I also wanted to be in technology. So I think it was desire yeah. plus taking a risk and just jumping it, into it. The transition to management, I think, is a much more interesting thing that I suspect a lot of people, a lot of people do it the other way around. They, they, they're, they're essentially very successful entrepreneurs and then, and then they become investors. I'd been an investor sitting on lots of boards, lots of experience, um, had been involved in, I suppose, cleaning up quite a few situations um, as well as investing um, you know, for growth. And I, I think I ultimately just got lucky, I would say. And, you know, the, the luck was that I was working with um, an entrepreneur like Vish, who's, who's, a, who's a proper manager. And he um, had, had spoken about planting seeds and, and growing um, gardens and essentially how, you know, the, the nature of entrepreneurship, uh, how much of it is about being like a farmer. And um, I think with me, he just gave me an offer to say, look, I can 
broadly, you know, please yeah, come and do this and I will sit alongside you for the first few years. And he, and he told me very clearly that he wasn't looking to hand over because he could not do the job anymore, but because he wanted to be a responsible custodian of, of a business. And he saw a, a way to train me on the job as such um, and hand over then once he felt I could run the business. So I spent, you know, probably a year or two working alongside somebody who I thought was a very good manager um, and learning the job. And I think that's how I got into it. And it was a bit of a shock. Um, you know, I think if, if, if anybody in um, investment worlds or other worlds think they work hard, it's not the same as running a business. And you know, the relentlessness you need to have to run any, any entity of any size, I think is something which only comes by doing. And I, and I, and I got very much involved. And I said, I, I was lucky that I met the right mentor. And you know, mentors are critical for for making transitions and i think that that's really what helped me and and once i got into it i think i had a, I had a great team of people that also made it much easier yeah well there's there's several things that you've said there which which are critical I mean, you mentioned luck and 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 of course there's skill but I, th I think it's often overlooked the element of right place right time but of course you 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 had the abilities and the traits and the skills to put yourself in a position where you were going to get lucky because you were, you know, you were good enough that they would pick you. Um, mentors, and, and like I said, I mentioned Ty already and, and people often ask me, how do I get a mentor? Well, you know, it's a case of reaching out very often. Um, and, 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 I, and, and as I say, I know Vish, independently of knowing you, it was purely coincidental. Uh, and you're right, he's an exceptional individual. I guess getting that right mentor uh, as well. What... Um, what did you find in terms of, you know, technology in the UK you've been part of for so long? Now, as you know, I, I work with the Department for International Trade. We have this global entrepreneur program where we look to attract technology companies from around the world, outstanding technology companies from around the world. And thankfully, yours was already here, but it's companies like yours. Um, which are a lightning rod to attract others to Britain. And we've just seen you, the UK's largest ever IPO last week um uh, as well well a uk company that had ipo'd in the states but still a british company uh in terms of arrival uh, uh, so what do you see exciting about the uk tech space given you've been in it right from you know this this renaissance in the early well the late 90s i think um you go and look at the uk um from the sort of fundamentals of things like the rule of law and the business environment. Um, we have a pretty straightforward business environment. You can set up companies very quickly. Um, there are set rules that don't change. So, so, you, so you know what the rules are. Labor laws are pretty flexible um, yeah, to a certain size. Um, so, uh, raising money, raising capital. You know, we've got the best uh, venture capital market outside of, of the US. Um, so, the, the, so there's a lot of things going for the UK, and, and I would characterize that the UK to build a business up to probably about a billion dollars is probably as good as any place outside of the US. Um, I think it's pretty difficult to rival Silicon Valley, but um, to be fair, the costs of doing business there have gone through the roof, as everyone knows, and people are moving out. Um, so, so I do think um, London and, and the UK in general said you can start businesses you can employ people you can raise capital it's a great place for ideas we've got great scientists great universities 
I mean, we, 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 it, it, it's, it's, a, it's a great environment in which to start businesses. I think that the, the, the key question, one of the questions, I suppose, is really, can you really scale to the multi-billion dollar businesses that you've seen in the US? And I think you're seeing um, examples with um, companies like UiPath in Europe um, and, and a few others that are, have you know, TransferWise. And there's a lot of businesses that now are coming through and, and being able to scale globally. Um, I think the UK um, should, should be the non-US home, or at least the, the European home for those businesses. Um, and um, um, I'm, I'm not necessarily convinced that, that we have a, a problem as such. I, um, um, I think, you know, uh, the work that you've been doing, um, the work that all the um, seed investors do, the EIS scheme in the UK, so it's a government policy, um, the, the AIM market, the London Stock Exchange. I mean, I mean the, working in unison to create the environment, I think, is, is needed and necessary. And I, I think we, we have it. So, um, you know, I'd, I'd more than recommend um, any international entrepreneur to set up a base here um, to um, you know, seek to employ people in the UK, raise capital. Um, and it can be the springboard for global success. Um, and um, I think, yeah, there are clearly some drawbacks with, you know, I think the addressable market issue probably is the, is the single thing that um, the US has going for it, which is one massive addressable market in one place, English speaking. Um, but outside of that, the rest of it, I think, you know, I mean, we're, we're on a par. Well, you're proof of it because, you know, you've, you've, you've come from start all the way up to huge, huge exit uh, as well, which then beg, sorry, sorry, go on. And actually, I was going to say for years, I think there's been something around um, people concerned about exiting a name business to a big trade buyer. And, you know, I've been in the MA markets, I've worked investing in businesses, selling businesses. And I would say I've had that thought as well as to whether or not um, we would be able from AIM to go into a big global tech giant. Um, I, I always knew structure that wasn't a problem, um, um, but, you know, perception wise. But I would say that actually, I think if you are good enough and, you know, our big um, breakthrough was growing the business internationally and then going to the US and putting some feet on the street in the US, winning some customers in the US. Yeah and therefore attracted interest, where we were located, where we were listed, was really a broadly secondary concern. Yeah. The fact that we were operationally and technically successful in a really large market. Yeah, how did you find that um, US market entry from the UK? Because obviously that's sometimes a concern for companies that, well, <laughs> should we be over there or over here? It helps that I've been on the boards of businesses that have failed before. <laughs> right? So um, the fact that, it was. It's not the first time I've, I've 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 had to think about doing it and how to do it. I think meant that I was probably a bit smarter and probably a bit um, less gung ho. Um, you know, the US is not one market. The US is yeah. multiple multiple markets, superbly competitive, um, but also you know an opportunity, right? So um, I think that um, one thing I would say is there is definitely some hesitancy in you know, in the institutional shareholders, for sure, around you know, US expansion. And in general, I can feel we do get concerned about it as, as Brits going to the US. But at the same time, I do think if you just, if you just do the basics right, particularly around managing your ambition, 
you know, just do what you would do in any other, you know, you'd, you'd start slowly, understand the market. So we probably yeah. spent a year, maybe even 18 months with a team of six initially, just really iterating, failing, trying, failing, trying. And then, and then, then we grew and then we bought some businesses and then we kind of thought, actually, we really understand this market. And probably by the time the pandemic hit last year, I probably would have said, right, we've got to go big. Um, and I had enough confidence to make a case for going big ourselves. And did you hire locally to understand that market or did you take your team from here? Um, we, I definitely had lieutenants from the UK who were our main people on the ground um, and, and obviously were hired locally. But I think there's nothing get, to get away from the fact that you need your main people to give you that first insight. Um, and I would say placing, you know, Brits who want to, you know, people who, you know, your salespeople who want to be in another place, they'll work out the country better than, faster than you work out how to, um, um, to read um, different Americans. Right. So you, you, you relocated a few of those people over there. Is that right? Yeah, correct. And, and, and even now I've got people over there, you know, um, who are um, people who worked in IMI for 10 years, 12 years who you know happy to relocate and just um and you know and, and and they they've had great career opportunity um but it's also meant that people who you already have an affinity with and, and trust their judgment uh, mm. your, your eyes and ears on the ground yeah well um the, the, it, there's two things there one is i feel that after all these years of speaking to vish and emailing back and forth because we'd lost contact. I've been calling the company by the wrong name. And Vish, <laughs> Vish is too classy to have ever corrected me because I kept saying Imi, as no, in the Italian you bank. Me, you call it I might, it doesn't matter. Now call it Cisco, so it's fine. Well, now call it, yeah, part of Cisco. Tell me what the next step is. What are you going to do? Are you going to, you know, are you looking for the next venture? Are you going to become uh, an investor? Are you going to handhold Cisco in this? Um, I mean, um, I think there's a real um, thing that's probably not spoken about enough in um, entrepreneurship, um, and that's about responsibility. And, you know, um, I think, you know, Vish handing over to me in a very careful, you know, multi-period way was res taking responsibility for the ownership of, of a business, its people, its, its customers, and I have the same. So I, so, so I look at it and think, okay, okay, there's a change of shareholder, um, but ultimately I want... And I think our technology stack and our, our people, we can be um, world beaters in our sector. And I think that, you know, Cisco's got great distribution, great customers. Um, we fit really well in um, and, and with their contact center offering. So we've got a real chance to be a, a, a technology leader in the US market in what we do. Um, I think we're already that in some of our other markets. And um, I want to see that out and make sure that the business and the software and the IP we've created in JAWS. Yeah. Um, how I do that, the structures and all that kind of stuff will work it out. But but the but the um, but the 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 real the real aim for me, objective for me, is to make sure that all the work we've done is a success, and, and yeah. that's what I'll be doing, um, and, and helping Cisco do it. Well, like I alluded to earlier, I have this spreadsheet of all nine thousand UK and US listed equities, and yours was in. It was amongst. The, the, the top, um, I think it's about 150 who hit the valuation, growth, income, cash flow. You're undervalued. That's the problem. <laughs> I'm afraid so. No, um, on a serious note, that's why I told my investors, I yeah, said, right, 
this is one because it was undervalued. And therefore, I wasn't surprised when Cisco came along. I got a ping about, um, what was it, on Friday or Thursday, Cisco's hit a one-year high, by the way. So trust me, people are looking and drilling down, I'm sure, at their acquisitions as well. Yeah, there are a 52-week high. I don't know how the whole acquisition, uh, whether it was cash or ca cash and stock, but if it was cash and stock, you're, 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 you're in a good place because I continue liking Cisco even more so now. Um, so, right, that's the future ambitions. I want to wrap up with just give you the opportunity. Anything else, you know, if we're talking about, if you're talking to entrepreneurs from around the world or in the UK, this notion of secrets, the, the lesser known stuff, or you might even want to repeat to emphasize the things that we all know, but perhaps we just need reminding in terms of achieving success because you know, you, you've got that expertise and experience now. I think, look, it's, 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 it's cliched, but um, again, focusing on, on creating real value. And um, I think that's one of the things that um, in this current age where capital is pretty free, um, at times, I do wonder whether um, that there's the emphasis on creating value, and actually, ultimately, that does lead to a thing called you know, profits and cash um, um, that matter. And I think entrepreneurs that do that do that well and focus on it will find that there is success that sustains. Um, and um, I, I had a great uh, I had a great um, podcast yesterday with the founder of a company called Atlassian. Um, uh, which for the first 10 years had bootstrapped themselves and now is a $50 billion organization. Right. Great success story. And I thought, you know, that really, you know, they, they built it carefully over many years. Now, I think that, um, you know, we've got, so we've got a great environment in the UK in which to do it, the environment in which to create capital, to raise capital. So um, focus on, on creating value, exits, and the rest of it will look after themselves and creating value through, as always, you know, great people. Um, and, um, yeah, there's, I, don't, I don't think there's, a, there's any secrets to that, um, but uh, I do think those things sometimes get forgotten in all the noise. I think you're absolutely right. I think that probably is the secret that get rid of the noise and, and go back to, you know, the first principles, the core principles, which, you know, you've clearly stuck to. And, uh, and, and it's particularly, and I've seen this quite a few of my friends, and I'm going to add you to that list, over the last 20 years, from the ones that we met, you know, yes. in the founding days of, of Taiwan, we all sat around that those tables and, and those those events the you know we've got um Fisker automotive Gita one of our charter members now they've just done their SPAC at two billion wow um part of our sort of cohort you know you know Asif and power boats yeah. um uh, uh, and um Annan Berman uh yeah, they cool. they exited out of uh, uh Dabba and yeah. you know I don't know how many billions that ended up being and of course through all of this is it's not the cash part that of course that's one measure of success but it's something you mentioned earlier with Vish that notion of custodianship of yeah. responsibility uh and of course the cash will then take care of itself and I think that ethical element of it that morality and I know Vish well enough to know your description it, you know really rings true um because there is that element I mean throughout all my conversations with him it it, it, it had been that element of um, uh, of developing the business, and it's clear um, from what you're saying, and, and, and ultimately developing people. You know, I think I think I think one of the things yeah. that if I if I look if I look back now and and, and, and I look at what I'm actually going to be pretty proud of is the number of people's careers that you've kind of brought brought along, yeah. and that they've you know and you know, obviously it's great to have success as well with it, but but how much they've learned during the period also. 
is something that I'm sure they'll at some point thank me for. Thank you. Well, thank you, Jay, and, and uh, very excited to have reconnected, but also to continue following uh, the successes you are going to have here on forward as well. Um, so thanks for taking the time for this. Um, I know Department for International Trade will be delighted to have yet another successful tech company yeah. out of the UK. So thank you on behalf of uh, behalf of my colleagues there as well. And we're going to make sure that we um, uh, uh, we uh, uh, promote this far and wide uh, as well. Great. Jay, thank you so much for your time. Thank you. Great. Cheers.